Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Uh, before we get started, I do want to apologize in advance if anyone hears any background noise. Um, my kitchen is being remodeled and in the work from home life, there are very few places for me to go that would be less noisy. So I figured I would have equal trouble at Starbucks as I am here. So if you hear any loud crashes, smashes, or booms, please know that uh, everything's fine. Um, so, all right. Uh, I'm excited to be here today talking about creating a compelling employee value proposition. Um, we've talked a number of times on this podcast about how it is becoming increasingly challenging to um, attract new talent at the pace we need to um, with folks leaving the workforce. And um, what makes up a compelling value proposition for employees evolves regularly. And so um, I'm thrilled to have uh, on the podcast with me today, Lauren Winans, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Next Level Benefits. Lauren, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you, Sarah. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Me too. And I will say, we had some technical difficulties getting started, which is a rare occurrence. And Lauren uh, has patiently hung with me. Um, so here we go. Uh, okay. All right. So, um, so Lauren, before we dig into uh, some of the things that we're going to touch on today, um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, um, you know, my background is human resources. I've been a human resources professional for over 20 years now. Um, prior to starting my own um, HR consultancy um, practice, I was in corporate HR roles, um, primarily in total rewards um, in the employee benefits space, but um, have been an HR leader for many years um, with experience across all disciplines of HR. Um, I've worked at um, large public um, corporations, um, primarily in organizations that have um, a multi-generational workforce that is you know, dispersed across the country. Um, so I have a lot of experience in trying to find um, you know, the best ways to engage employees. So when I started my practice about two years ago, just really excited to you know, leverage my experience in a new and different way. And you know, right now we work very closely with HR teams um, to help them you know, build a really wonderful employee pop, uh, value proposition that is deep, um, that is um, you know, truly what employees want um, and not necessarily what companies want to offer. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we pride ourselves on from a strategic standpoint. And I, you know, I can say right now we've got you know four different clients that we're working on this exact project um, about. So it's something that is near and dear to my heart, and I'm I'm excited to you know share some experiences and some stories with all of you today. Cool. Well, thank you. Uh, and Lauren is my quasi neighbor um, down the <laughs> down Interstate 79 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we're uh, we're gonna make a lunch date happen here at some point. That's right. Um, okay, so I have a couple things that I think would likely be preconceived notions, maybe some of my own that I want to kind of clear up, um, maybe to get us started. And I will say, you know, Lauren and I have talked about the fact that the listeners of this podcast are primarily not HR, right? I mean, there may be some, but it is uh, not the majority. Um, that being said, you know, 
I talk with you all listeners regularly about the challenge of filling the talent gap and understanding better what needs to change in terms of, um, you know, meeting those employee wants and needs is important, regardless of whether you are actually in the HR function or not. So that's kind of the context we're going to take uh, today. So Lauren, I have a feeling there could potentially be people that listened to the setup of this episode and think, I'll tell you what the employee value proposition is. The employee value proposition is show up to work and collect a paycheck. (laughs) So what would you say to that? Um, Well, I would say, yes, that's one side of the employee value proposition. Um, The other side would be, you know, well, what does an employee get in exchange for showing up and providing the company with the hours in which, you know, they're providing their service? Um, And so, you know, the other side of this is, you know, what does an employee get out of it? And, And ultimately, those, um, they have to be in balance, right? Mm -hmm. So what the employer wants to get out of the relationship with the employee versus what the employee wants to get out of the relationship with the employer, they have to be in a balanced situation in order to kind of keep that talent, you know, retain that talent within your organization and attract new talent. And so that's why it's important to consider this concept Um, You know, I'll try as much as I can during this dialogue too to kind of let you know when I have my HR hat on and when maybe I have my my leader hat on or my employee hat on just so you can kind of get, you know, the different players and stakeholders that are part of this conversation, you know, they all want something different and they all play a different role in the process. So an employee value proposition ultimately you know, when you think about what it is, it's, you know, what, what is an employee getting out of this relationship and what's an employer getting out of the relationship? And so the best way to infuse value into this relationship is to identify what it is that both parties want and to construct a, um, you know, let's say a structure around what that really looks like. And there's typically four components of employee value proposition. And I'm going to talk about them now just so that you can, this concept gets a little more clear. So it's primarily total rewards, which is compensation and benefits that that companies would be offering to employees. Um, And then it's also um, career growth and opportunity, as well as employer culture, the actual culture within the organization. So all four of those components in an ideal situation have the right balance of what an employee wants out of those four categories and what an employer wants out of those four categories. Some of those categories, most of those categories cost an employer money to offer or to create or to operate or to train. Um, And in most cases from on the employee side, you know, these are things that are very valuable to you that, you know, your, your wages, incredibly important. The health insurance that you have, incredibly important the ability to grow your career and to work in an environment that's inclusive and equitable and fair. You know, these are all things that employees want. Um, And so ultimately, you know, employee value proposition is an incredibly important concept, but you definitely need to get a good sense of what it is um, and not necessarily go into it with any sort of preconceived notions. Um, Naturally, there are, I think, some you know, misconceptions out there around what, you know, value, how you can actually define value. 
But I think generally speaking, if you can think about, you know, if you can really break this down into what does an employee want? What does an employer want? And yes, an employer wants you to show up and just, you know, do what you're supposed to do, clock your hours and in exchange, give you a paycheck. That's the basic, you know, formality of the, the transaction here. But ultimately, you know, employers are in a place where they need to build upon that. And employees have a lot of choice right now. They, they can easily move to another employer to find a deeper and more meaningful um, value proposition that works better for them. So to ignore this concept, um, you know, would be, would be a miss, um, you know, in a lot of different ways. For sure. And I think, you know, just to explain a little bit, um, you know, and, and Lauren and I have talked uh, in preparing for this, you know, we're talking a lot about um, field service roles, manufacturing roles, and th things like this. And so I think there is this issue where maybe generationally, you know, there was a time historically where the employees priorities or what they wanted from the employer was different, maybe IE perceived as simpler, right? And as the, the generational changes take hold, along with the fact that you have less people coming into these types of roles, and so it's creating this urgency to um, you know, recruit and to, to fill a bench of, of talent, um, you know, we need to as an industry understand that the desires of the talent base have matured and the way that we're looking at, you know, this type of talent needs to as well. And I'm talking a lot about the frontline workers, but, you know, that feeds up into the, you know, management level, the director level and all the way up. Right. I mean, you, you need people in, in all of those spots as well. And so, um, you know, it's just something to, to think about. Um, so maybe can we talk about that a little bit, Lauren, in the sense of like, you know, it seems like, you know, when you talk about a, a employee value proposition or a, you know, compensation package, um, you know, that seems intuitive at a certain level of management or, or leadership, um, maybe not all the way down to the front line. Um, and so for some of those roles that the, the workforce is beginning to have, you know, more mature or, you know, different desires, um, talk about the fit or the need to consider value proposition, whether you're talking about, you know, hiring in a new CEO all the way down to, you know, hiring in a, um, you know, a first time field technician. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's, it's very important at every level. It doesn't matter what level we're talking about. It doesn't matter if they're a leader, if they manage people, if they don't, if they're an individual contributor, if they're entry level, you know, the value proposition exists at all levels. And in most em employers, it exists at different, uh, it it's different at every level, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about executives, you know, you've got executive compensation packages are very different than, you know, entry level or perhaps, you know, um, you know, field, um, any sort of, you know, individual contributor is mm -hmm. going to have a different package as, as an executive would. And, 
it, it's okay to develop employee value propositions that you know are different for the different positions or the different levels within your workforce. You know, I think that ultimately when we're thinking about, you know, employees that are individual contributors that, and when I say that, I'm, I'm saying, you know, they're, they're not managing people. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about, you know, that type of employee, regardless if they're entry level or they've been, you know, enrolled for many years, what you're ultimately wanting to do is create a, a package that makes sense for that individual. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of data that, you know, can be poured through and analytics that, you know, your company will have, um, you know, at its fingertips to identify, you know, what types of um, compensation um, makes sense, you know, not just salary, but also like pay raises and bonuses and how fair mm-hmm. we are and equitable across um, you know, the different compensation scales and whether or not, you know, people are getting, you know, fair um, treatment across mm-hmm. the board. You know, all of that kind of is a compensation package, not just that dollar figure, not just right. that salary figure, or that hourly rate. Um, and so if you think about that across all the different types of, you know, uh, jobs within an, an organization, it, it's just, it's really important to remain competitive and to make sure that the value that you're building is directly going to um, is is has direct meaning to those that you're building it for, mm-hmm. and so for example, you know if you're you're building a you know uh, an equity program for an executive, you're going to want to make sure that the type the number of shares that are being offered to that executive is comparable to to your your like size competitors or you know your like industry competitors. Um, And same goes for, you know, a a frontline, you know, field technician, you want to take a look at that salary, you want to bench that that compensation on a regular basis, you want to make sure that you're ahead of those who are going to try to take those people away from your organization. And that's ultimately what a value proposition does is it keeps people in the seats, it keeps people in the trucks, it keeps people wherever that they might be, it keeps them in role. Um, and then ultimately allows you to attract more talent and new talent into the organization. And from a talent gap perspective, that is incredibly important right now. You ultimately want to bring in really bright, talented individuals. There's a lot of different skills that you can train and you can teach on, um, but you definitely want to be finding you know, talented folks that are willing to learn and are willing to grow with a company. And in order to do that, you know, they're shopping around just like, you know, you would interview several candidates for a position. Um, you know, they're shopping around and looking for the right companies that, you know, align with their values or offer the right benefits and compensation, allow them to grow um, and move up the ranks over time. And mm-hmm. so it's just, a, it's a really interesting um, conversation because when you're talking about the talent gap, the talent gap has really put a magnifying glass on employee value proposition, how important it is to the conversation and how important it is to make sure that you're customizing an EVP, employee value proposition, an EVP that is um, sustainable for the different pockets of your organization, the different generations within those pockets. And so it's just really important to kind of think through it big picture. And that's ultimately what an HR team does But a lot of times it takes leaders um, to kind of come forward and say, this is something we need. I want to be able to offer this to our entry level employees, or I want to be able to 
you know, spend time, um, you know, figuring out a succession plan for, you know, these four individuals. You're, you're absolutely in your right to partner with the HR team to develop a value proposition that works and is customized based upon your specific team, you know, based upon what you know your workforce needs. And, um, you know, I think that, I, I think that there, there's even folks who are um, maybe in a um, older generation, maybe close to retirement, they're still going to find, you know, this meaningful just as much as someone who's coming in, you know, from college or maybe coming in from a trade school or maybe coming in directly from high school. Everyone is looking for value in exchange for their time and their effort and their skills. Yeah, there's a couple of points that I want to go back to there. So the, the first one that comes to mind is the idea that employee value proposition is important for everyone, but it doesn't need to look the same for everyone. And I think that, you know, when we talk about some of the, the roles that companies um, in our audience are having the hardest time filling right now, so we'll just, you know, generalize field technicians, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, there's aspects of the, the, the role that you know, are there already that if you just position them creatively could get more attention, right? So I'm thinking specifically of a conversation um, that I've had with a gentleman who's been on the podcast before, Roy, Roy Dockery, he's with Swiss Log, and, and he's done a lot in his role in service leadership to revamp how they recruit and hire. Um, you know, and, and his point was, as, a, as he started you know, as a pretty young man in um, their business as a field technician. And one of the things that he loved is being able to travel, you know, and and see different areas of, of the country. And so, you know, just kind of understanding better what aspects of the job could be attractive to candidates and looking for how to creatively call out different things rather than just always, you know, defaulting to only, and here's what the pay is, you know, I mean, there are other things that you can leverage to your advantage with a little bit of creativity to get people's attention or to differentiate or to, um, you know, draw, draw yourselves in. So I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about, you know, I think people have a better understanding of the hard benefits, right? Like, okay, well, people obviously want paid and for a lot of folks that consists of, you know, a base pay and some sort of variable pay and how should that be structured, et cetera. Um, you know, things like uh, health insurance, you know, things like that are, are fairly standard. Let's maybe talk about um, some of the soft benefits and different, you know, categories or examples of those so that you know, the listeners can get, kind of get a, a sense of areas they could maybe explore if they haven't. Yeah, you know, I think um, you know, anything that really kind of falls into that career or culture bucket, those two buckets, in addition to the, the comp and benefits, but the career and the culture, I think, are really where some of those, you know, those soft items kind of fall into. So if you think about culture, you know, an organization's mission and values are really important and they need to be defined and they need to be communicated. And so employees who are coming into an organization need to have a really good sense of what those are. 
Um, and it's really important for an organization to also be able to kind of walk that walk and, you know, not necessarily just be kind of like, okay, here's our mission and values, but they don't actually have any, you know, they don't have an environment that kind of lives up to that. And so, you know, the, the atmosphere and the sense of teamwork and camaraderie that kind of exists within your culture is something that can translate from top to bottom, um, from, you know, an office setting, you know, to, you know, um, a field setting to, you know, a factory setting, you know, all these different, um, it doesn't matter where an employee is working, you should be able to feel the culture um, throughout the entire organization. And culture can be something that you're waiting to feel as an employee, um, you know, or it can be something that you participate in because it is part of your day-to-day -day interaction with your, your coworkers or with your boss or, um, you know, with other colleagues. And, you know, I think the reason I say that is that particularly, you know, employees that are dispersed and are not necessarily in one location, um, aren't always going to feel culture exactly the same way that someone who might be sitting in a corporate office is feeling it. But you can still live it. It can still be embodied. It can still be something that, you know, your leader, you know, takes the time, effort, and energy to make sure, you know, that by checking in with you, by communicating with you, by sharing messages that you need to be hearing about, by letting you know about big company changes or how the company's investing in some community efforts or has just, you know, made a charitable contribution or, you know, it can also even be making sure that you have an opportunity to, you know, watch any sort of company videos or read any company announcements directly. Um, it's, it's a matter of what, what steps and what types of activities and events can, you know, myself as a leader get my employees involved into, as well as if I'm an employee, what types of things do I want my leader to help inform me about? Mm -hmm. And all of these, these relationships are all two-way streets. So let's say, you know, right now you are listening to this and you're an employee, it's not managing anybody, but you just don't feel that connected to your organization. There is nothing wrong with trying to figure out how to, how to seek out, you know, repairing that. Because if you don't have a deep connection with your organization, you know, perhaps that's a box that remains unchecked when it comes to the employee value proposition that your organization is offering you. Mm -hmm. Your company wants to know that. Mm -hmm. um, they want to know if they're falling short in some of those areas. I mean, most companies do. Mm -hmm. um, and so expressing that is not necessarily, in my opinion, um, you know, an issue. I think it's, mm -hmm. hey, I need to better understand what our mission is here. Or I need to better understand what my guiding principles are when I'm making decisions out in the field on my own. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, are we able to get together once a month so I can meet with, you know, my team? Or, you know, hey, can we, you know, create some sort of, you know, standard, you know, check-in meeting where, you know, we're able to kind of, you know, just discuss some of the challenges that we have so that we can all be on the same page and kind of help each other through it. There's, mm -hmm. there's a variety of different soft skills that kind of fall into a culture bucket and culture that term is thrown around a lot mm -hmm. um and i think the best way that i would describe it is it's it's how you feel about the company that you're working for mm -hmm. um it's how 
how connected you are to their mission, to their leaders, you know, whether or not you agree with what's going on or you don't. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of hard to sell to someone who's, you know, coming into an organization as someone who's coming in from, let's say, you know, maybe they're in their early twenties. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard concept to kind of wrap your brain around. It's also hard for someone who might be, you know, on the tail end of their career and going to be mm-hmm. retiring soon. Culture wasn't necessarily something that was that big of a, um, it wasn't necessarily part of a value proposition um, mm-hmm. you know, for the entire time that uh, they were employed. Mm-hmm. But it's about um, making sure that you're able to get something out of this relationship more than just financially speaking. Now, some right. people would be totally fine with a financial arrangement that does not have anything to do with culture. And there's nothing wrong with that. But right. there are a lot of employees who want to love where they work, who want to yeah. connect on a deeper level and who might feel that that connection is lacking and mm-hmm. are looking for ways to kind of bridge that gap. Yeah. So I, you know, I think the soft side of culture, um, you know, uh, combined with a little bit of the soft side of career, like around coaching and, and training, mm-hmm. you know, those are types of things that, you know, um, a company who does culture and career development well will definitely find themselves being able to retain employees mm-hmm. over longer periods of time. Yeah. So it is tricky because number one, um, well, let me just say, you're right. It might not be super critical to everyone, but I think there's a lot of research that indicates it's far more critical to far more new employees than it ever has been before. So I think it is um, undoubtedly incredibly important to be thinking about, right? So there's that. Um, The second thing that gets tricky though, is we're talking about this, assuming that the company does care about its culture and the environment it's providing, Mm -hmm. which is fine for the sake of this conversation, but, you know, to put real action behind it, that has to be true, right? And then the third thing that gets really challenging is, you know, just playing devil's advocate. If I'm, you know, someone who has a bunch of different um, job opportunities or I'm taking a look at what's available um, in, in a certain industry, everyone is going to say they have a good company culture, right? And so it gets hard to think about tactical ways to illustrate that. So to your point, I think that when we talk about retention, it does the work for you, right? Like if you are really putting the effort into having a good company culture and providing career development opportunities for employees that you bring in, that will be reflected in retention. But I'm thinking about sort of the initial sell, the initial hiring process and, you know, what is in the employee value proposition that sticks out. And that is really tough. So what I'm thinking now, I'm no HR expert and maybe you're going to tell me like, that's too expensive or you're crazy or whatever. But what I'm thinking about, um, again, through the lens of our audience is, you know, you all know your company mission and company values and, um, you know, company culture, characteristics better than uh, anyone else, but maybe look at those and try and think through some 
you know, fairly inexpensive ways to make those tangible for new hires. So for instance, like let's say that, you know, you want your employees that are um, in the field to have an opportunity to, you know, learn and educate themselves, maybe give them an Audible subscription or maybe, you know, um, you know, things like that, where maybe, maybe it's Spotify, you know, I mean, whatever it is, like you're talking about, you know, 10 or $15 a month, something really, you know, low cost, but things like that, I'm just thinking like, you know, whether it's, you want to play up the fun or the education or the, we care. I mean, there's a ton, you could do headspace, you know, if you want to say, you know, Hey, mental health is very important to our company. So we give all of our employees a, a subscription to headspace or, you know, calm or whatever the different options are, you know, but I'm just thinking like, those are the type of creative thinking processes that I believe companies need to be doing to take what on paper is very abstract and honestly easy to be highly skeptical of and at least put some specifics behind it in a way that can, you know, stand out a little bit and, and make people think like, oh, you know, I mean, I've seen people that do, um, they purchase their employees a certain number of books per year, or they do, you know, and, and those are all just for their consumption. You know, that's more on the culture side. On the career side, uh, what I've seen that, that has worked well is because the younger workforce does want to have more progression opportunity, and we kind of know that with them coming in, you know, mapping that out and discussing that in the, the interview and hiring process so that, you know, they have a sense of what the longer term potential is from, from the outset. So I'm kind of babbling, but I'm just trying to think through different ways to, you know, take some of the, the soft things that can be very abstract and, and try and make them more tangible for folks. No, I think those are really good examples. And, you know, I think that the, there is some cost issues that come along mm -hmm. on how large you are with right. you know, some of those sorts of things and how many employees you might have. But, you know, those are, that's the, the type of actionable examples that we need to be thinking about when you think about employee value proposition, because it's mm -hmm. going to be different for each, you know, mm -hmm. each person you're kind of catering it to. And, you know, to your point, when you're trying to attract, you know, new individuals, you know, to your organization, you know, really trying to um, hone in almost like creating a persona. Okay, well, mm -hmm. if I'm going to be hiring a 25 year old, you know, uh, in this particular geographic area who is single, who doesn't, you know, da -da, right. and you kind of list out who they are. Um, you can develop, you know, more of a custom, you know, EVP in, in a different way um, mm -hmm. than, you know, if you just kind of wing it and you're just kind of yeah. like, you're trying to figure it out. But yeah, it's, it's all about creativity. It's about the type of people you want working for your organization and what you know about them and what you know would be valuable to them and meaningful. Mm -hmm. And then just creating something around that, whether that mm -hmm. be comp, whether that be a benefit, whether that be career development in, you know, maybe it's a succession plan, or maybe it is something as simple as I just want these people, you know, anyone, anyone on my team to have access to 
um, you know, a uh, masterclass or mm-hmm. you know, something that helps people to learn a little bit more from a personal and a professional standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then culture naturally kind of wraps around all of this and is really yeah. critical. I was thinking maybe focus groups would be a good idea too, in the sense of, you know, if you have a new wave of employees come in that you can tap into, or if you have your HR team, you know, maybe it's a, um, you know, a university, high school, trade school, depending on what um, the requirements of sort of your entry level positions are, but, you know, go out and sit down in a room of those people and just ask open-ended questions. Like, you know, as you start looking for jobs, what are you looking for? How would you rank these criteria? Like, you know, what's the most creative idea, you know, just, and, and get some input that way. Um, because that's one of the things too, is I think historically we've re-examined employee value proposition, maybe less frequently than we need to today. Would you agree with that? I agree. You know, I I think what I would say is on an annual basis, you need to be looking at, you know, the the four factors that kind of make Mm -hmm. up, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to make sweeping changes in each category every year, but you need to be assessing it on, on an annual basis. And the Mm -hmm. reason being is that things are changing so rapidly within the labor market, within the Mm -hmm. workforces that, you know, all, we all are a part of. And it's, um, it is silly to think that, you know, something that worked a year ago or two years ago is still working today. Mm -hmm. Um, And not not just talking about the pandemic, I'm just talking about generally speaking, even if we weren't, we we aren't in a pandemic, it it Mm -hmm. would still be something that you need to be looking at regularly to stay ahead. Um, And ultimately, we all want to stay ahead and be pulling the best talent possible into our organizations and be working with the best colleagues possible. That's what makes work fun is when you can accomplish things together on a different level. Mm -hmm. And um, the only way you're going to be able to do that is to gradually, you know, enhance that EVP year over year to a place where, you know, you can feel confident and comfortable that you are able to retain and you're able to attract. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's a hard thing to do because I think there's a a misconception, um, you know, that uh, HR and or leaders are solely responsible for EVP. And that's not, that's not the case. You know, we're all responsible in some way, shape or form in all of these categories. And even Mm -hmm. an employee, um, at an, in an entry level position is responsible for, you know, contributing to the culture of the organization. Mm-hmm. So everyone mm-hmm. touches this in, in various different ways. And right. it's, it's important. It's, it's, it's more important now than it ever has been. It's going to get more important than it is today in the mm-hmm. future. And it's got to be something that you at least spend some time better understanding um, mm-hmm. and figuring out which ways you can take action on it. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, I guess, further changes or, or evolution of, you know, kind of what employees want or what becomes important to consider over like the next five years? You know, I think that EVP is going to get bigger over time and not just focused mainly on like four categories. You know, Mm -hmm. I think diversity, equity, and inclusion is going to end up with more of its own category, so to speak, and not just kind of shoved in there in the culture category. Mm -hmm. That's going to become more important. 
and um, naturally so. So I think that is something that we can see kind of change over time. Um, you know, I do think too that, you know, some of the things that we're used to seeing today, um, you know, as it relates to benefits and compensation are going to change over time, especially mm -hmm. if, you know, federal minimum wage, um, you know, at a $15 an hour rate, you know, does indeed, you know, take hold. Um, you know, I think there's going to be, you know, quite a few changes in total rewards and how we mm -hmm. kind of look at um, salary scales and compensation in general. Um, and then lastly, you know, I think from a career development standpoint, um, you know, we, what we're finding right now with, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with is that there are um, a lot, there's a desire to make sure that training is, um, all training components and methods are able to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, I think we're, there's going to be a lot more training and development opportunities available via video through your company over time, um, as well as through external third-party sources that your company is going to con contract with to mm -hmm. offer development opportunity. And so I think mm -hmm. that's going to be something that grows over time because of desire and need, but also because we all consume content differently and we're all leaning more towards that, that video um, audio, um, content more so mm -hmm. than actually reading the words on a page. Right. Right. That makes sense. Okay. Um, in summary, any sort of last words of wisdom, missteps <laughs> to avoid, you know? Yeah. You know, I, what I would say is, you know, if this concept was a little bit foreign today, that that's makes total sense. Um, because this is a evolving concept that changes um, quite a bit. Um, but what I'd like you to take away from the conversation, hopefully, um, you know, is that there are components to an employee value proposition um, that could attract and retain employees in a different way than maybe it is being done today. Um, and so spending some time identifying with that EVP is and coming up with solutions for, you know, tangible changes that are going to move the needle for you to bring in talented individuals and keep them, um, you know, I think is, is worth the exercise of going through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can even make small, you know, tangible changes for your own teams. Um, you know, if you are a leader listening to this, you can make similar, you know, just small changes to some of the things that you're doing to you know, increase inclusivity or help someone, you know, get promoted by getting more development opportunities or making sure that, you know, everyone on your team is making a, a fair and equitable wage for the work that they're putting in. You know, you have the power. And I think we all have the power when it comes to this. Um, you know, it's just a matter of figuring out where you kind of fit in the equation. And I hope that you will also kind of you know, take away from today that, um, you know, it, it's, this is an important concept to continue to learn about and to not necessarily um, assume that just giving someone a paycheck is going to be enough anymore. Yeah. I did think of one other question. So we talked a little bit of, at the beginning about sort of the assessing the competitive landscape, right? So in your industry, what are other people providing and how do you match or, um, you know, address that. But I also think there could be some 
maybe creative inspiration, just looking outside of industry. So I just wanted to ask it, and it's okay if the answer is no, but is there any one company that comes to mind or a couple that you think do a really good job of this right now? You know, I, I really do think that Walmart does a really great job of this. Um, you know, I think everyone has, you know, varying opinions on Walmart and some of the stances that they, they take. But what I will say is that their ability to create culture and infuse it in every single thing that they do, um, including making sure that total rewards packages and career development opportunities are available, they, they really they really take the time to know their employee base and mm -hmm. know what would be meaningful to them. And mm -hmm. they develop their EVP around that. And I think they, they do it very well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I would say they're, you know, a really great example to turn to, even though they might not necessarily be within your specific industry, right. they have some really great um, examples of how they're doing that. And it's public. You can just mm -hmm. like Google these things and find the information, you know, on their website. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know, there might be some really great ideas out there to kind of take advantage of. Yeah, that's good. I, I think it is helpful. It's always helpful to look in industry, but I think it's helpful to look outside of your own industry as well and, and get some different thoughts and fuel the creative process. So, okay. All right, Lauren. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you coming and, and talking with our listeners today. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a super important topic and I know that, um, there's a lot of other areas uh, of this we can address. So I'd love to have you back at some point. Yeah, I would love to come back. We've just scratched the surface of EVP. Um, yes. but I very much appreciate the conversation and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Awesome. All right. You can find more by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the future of FS. The future of field service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more at ifs.com as always. Thank you for listening.